Hey guys, it's Lulu. Welcome back to Trauma and Healing Go Hand in Hand. Today's episode will be a little different because it won't talk about someone's trauma per se. It'll talk about the receiving end of it. So someone receiving it and constantly hearing about it, how they took an emotional toll on their well-being listening to so much trauma. I will put a trigger warning in here because I, I don't know what per se would be said. I don't know how much of it will trigger any of you guys. And like I always say, listen to this cautionary tale with discretion. Do keep an open mind when it comes to it. Um, my podcast is a safe space, so whatever he shares, it's up to him. Um, it's okay not to be okay. And then I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, my name is Donovan. And I'm kind of telling a perspective of trauma from someone who's not necessarily dealt with it firsthand but secondhand and coming from someone who has used to be a free therapist per se for whoever wanted to whoever trusted me enough to share their stories I can tell you from being a someone who was uh, constantly told about other people's trauma and then coming to me directly and having to help people, it's, it takes a toll in a lot more ways than just one. It got to a point where I needed a coping mechanism, and my coping mechanism was uh, smoking marijuana. And, well, that was during the time when it got legalized in Colorado. So, it really boiled down to constantly absorbing negative energy to the point where it got too much for my own headspace. And for, and because of that, we, I had to turn to some nefarious stuff for it. And... I had to turn off my emotions to be able to help people with it. I, if I had a choice to go back and do it over again, I 100% would. But it's a bumpy ride, to say the least. I understand that sometimes when we, as trauma survivors, like someone like me that has gone through trauma, talks to your friends and talks to people in our lives... We try to share our stories so they can understand why there's sometimes that we act negatively about certain things or how our relationship with that specific person might go because of how we were treated or how what we're scared of. And I understand sometimes that isn't fair to the person receiving it from my understanding. The way you put it, it doesn't sound fair because it was like we were giving you, we were taking so much from you that you had an empty cup by the end of the day. And did you realize you had an empty cup by it or did you just ignore it? More or less ignored it, but it's not really the point of taking away. It's more or less just receiving so much, just giving too much to the point where I didn't know how, where to put all of it. You didn't compartmentalize like people like to do? Yeah, I kind I tried to at first, but it got so much to the point where all of my compartments got filled up with it. That's not fair. 
I wouldn't put it necessarily in the aspect of it not being fair. It's just how it is. And being someone who I've been told multiple times that I have a welcoming aura around me. I can agree with that. I've known you for a little while now and I can say that yes, you do have a welcoming aura. People feel the need, feel like they can tell you things that they can't tell people in their day-to-day life. Oh yeah. And even at work, people I've met first day share share stuff with me that I, they don't even share with their closest best friend. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And like, it got, it's more or less, I've gotten very selective with who. You're there for? Yeah. Very selective. Which is a good thing because you are protecting your well-being, your mental space, and your energy as well. So yes, to a lot of people talking about energy sounds funny. You're one of them. True. Um, I feel like the more you absorb negative energy or like you absorb it to the point where you don't even realize that it's affecting you, you become a different person per se. Um, like you, you said, you cope to smoking weed. We, I did talk about coping, coping mechanisms, but I didn't talk about that one per se. I don't think I did. I more talked about like alcohol and the other recreational stuff that people do. And then I tried giving people good ones, but it's not always easy to do the good ones. Like find a distraction, like do a, do a consistency type thing. Like go, go to the gym every day for a long period of time if that's what you need. And I feel like people like me that have trauma or survived it and don't, quite understand how to deal with it at times. We think that everybody around us needs to feel it. And we forget that it's not everybody's job in our life, whether that be a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, in between, whatever your preferences are. Um, it's not their job to fix what they did not break. Mm-hmm. They can be there to listen to you and talk to you or talk you through whatever you're feeling at that current moment in time. But I feel like it is not their job to fix something that wasn't theirs to begin with, to fix in a sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, coming from someone who was always trying to fix someone's trauma, per se, it doesn't work. Because everyone is different. And... I thought I could somehow create the anecdote for everyone, but everyone's different. Everyone's trauma is different. Everything that people has went through is different. One, one coping mechanism might not work for the next person. And having better coping mechanisms are, is better than having your bad ones. Like uh, the term or the statement that you can only beat a addiction is with another addiction is completely true. Yeah. For but, the most part. For the most part, but I hope by, like, when, like, for me, I was 17 and I started drinking severely. Mm-hmm. I guess we can go with that. Until the time I was 19 and, you know, a month prior, like, a couple of weeks prior of me finding out I was pregnant. So, like, those two years, give or take a half, two years and a half. I tried. To do what you're saying. Find a, a good coping mechanism to distract myself from the bad one that I was doing. And I couldn't. I think the only thing that snapped me out of that bad scenario. It's not bad per se. Though yes, mind you, sometimes our words can be taken the wrong way. So I don't mean it's a bad thing. Because there's a lot of people that deal with addiction. There's a lot of people that deal with alcoholism and drug abuse. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Though it's not also a good thing. It can be a dark area or a gray area. Like we like to call it. 
And the only thing that snaps me out of every, the need to drink every weekend or forget that I existed for a couple hours, because we, 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 we know that alcohol doesn't really help you forget. It numbs you for like X amount of hours and then you wake up and I'm still there. Mm-hmm. I think it was a day that I found out I was pregnant. And I think that's when I realized I had stopped. And then that's when I realized, okay, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I went through nine months of pregnancy with therapist. Though I wasn't completely honest with that therapist because I'm very guarded in a sense, so I understand where the the need to talk to your friends comes from. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting at. Like, I wanted to talk to my friends, but I couldn't because my friends, like you said, had their life. And I didn't want to feel like, oh, the only time Lily wants to talk to me is because when she needs something from me or she needs the emotional part of me, and I, I can't always do it for her. So... I understand where you're coming from, but that end, and it's not easy. And I learned now as a 25 year old adult that sometimes writing it helps, writing it down, but don't dwell on it. Mm-hmm. Like well, a big coping mechanism for me once I was starting to get out of you know stopping the uh, smoking weed and so on, I listened to music. Just being able to hear someone's voice in a rhythmic value for me helped a lot. Being able to relate to portions of music that was able to speak it back to me. And then I could look myself in the mirror and say, I'm not okay. And helping out these other people that isn't okay either, it's hard. So I need to go off and work on myself. So I caught, I cut a lot of ties with those people. And I'm guessing that didn't end well, did it? Oh, not even, not in the slightest. Kind of <laughs> so, figured. Yeah. Shit happens. I'm better for it in the end, so. Sometimes buys are uneasy, mm-hmm. but they're needed. There is hell in hellos and good in goodbyes. Really? You're going to go and take that one from me? What if I wanted to use it the next time? I gave it to you in the first place. So. Yes, but yes, not the point. <laughs> now I got to actually quote you in the process. Damn it. <laughs> hey, just say, y'all heard it here, folks. We heard it here first, folks. <laughs> it happens. Um, honestly... Your perspective of it is very different because with every person that I've sat with or they've been on the other line, it's talked about trauma, how they deal with it, how they cope with it, how they learn to live their everyday life with it and how what were they diagnosed with. So with you, I don't really know how to ask you questions so like talk to you about it because I'm used to people telling me, okay, really, I went through A, B, and C at this moment in time in my life. And I was diagnosed with A, B, and C, and I, I deal with it now as a grown adult, A, B, and C. Though, yes, I'm used to that. I'm happy that I'm actually, for once, doing something a little different, per se. Though, it's like bouncing off ideas of someone, I guess. Like, for me, it's asking you, why would you do it again? There we go. Yeah. Um, I would 100% do it all over again. But Why? Because it showed me a portion of life that I took for granted or not, didn't really think about that you can help as many people as you want. But at the end of the day, you, you still have to focus on yourself and being able to tell yourself, I'm not okay either. And it's not my job to fix everyone and the mama. 
So it is, it's my time to take some time for myself and be able to fix me. And that's not easy to admit. I'm not taking it from someone that it took her a long time. It's not easy to admit that you need to fix yourself before you can love or be with someone or be their friend, be girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, whatever your preferences are. And I feel like it took me a while to admit that as I wasn't okay, I was also hurting the people in my life. And um, it's the same way as trying to uh, fix an addiction, is being able to admit to yourself that you have an addiction. And when it comes to your mentality, you have to be able to look at yourself and say, I'm not okay. I need to fix this. It's not, I have to fix this. I need to. That is true. Or at least be able to get to a point where you can live with it. Not battling it every day and being able to understand it. You don't have to completely fix it. Some issues never go away. And being able to identify those that you can't fix and identify the ones that you can. Fix what you can, live with what you can't. Think of it as a roommate. Okay, explain that one. Like, let's say, per se, someone has PTSD and they get kind of into a point where certain um, social situations or physical situations happen, it triggers them. So, depending on what abuse they suffered, yes. Yeah, depending on what happened. Mm-hmm. So being able to find a middle ground where you can flow with what happened to into what into a different kind of coping mechanism or being able to compartmentalize that. that. <laughs> and <laughs> being able to live with it is way better than constantly trying to battle with it. Some demons are not easy to fight. Though I'm not referencing like the devil himself, I'm just saying like sometimes the darkest parts of our mind don't let us think that we are good enough to be able to be completely fixed. So healing isn't easy. Mm-hmm. Take it from someone that knows. Healing takes time. Though mm-hmm. yes, I love to say time doesn't heal everything. It's what you do with that time that will heal you. If you sit in a room and dwell on it and cry about everything that happened to you and become very selfish to the outside world, but don't take into consideration the outside world in your life, by the time you realize I need to fix myself, you have hurt or will hurt everyone in your life that is important to you. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that being selfish is a bad thing. I'm just saying that sometimes we are so used to being in our own head when it comes to trauma and in the darker parts of the the mental space that we forget that hey we can smile mm-hmm. and laugh and cry and make memories with people in our life or just friends in general it doesn't have to be significant others and i feel like that's the hardest part mm-hmm. like when you let the darkest parts of your mind take control of your day-to-day life though is it easy no yeah. take it from me it's not but you learn to be okay with that fact and like you said you learn to deal with things on a day-to-day basis, but you don't have to fight them every day. Just learn to deal with them, to be able to get up in the morning and do what you need to do or go to sleep in the morning because you work nights or whatever you do. You know, sometimes it's that's the hardest part. And I feel like for a lot of people, we forget. Mm-hmm. 
that though, yes, we have those dark parts of our brains, we also have the lighter version. Mm -hmm. Being able to smile through pain is the biggest indicator that you're on the right track. But it's scary, though. Mm -hmm. It's scary. It's a version that you're not used to. Being able to look at the pain and be like, damn, that's crazy. And just be able to smile, like, smile about it. Granted, sometimes the pain will never leave. But being able to smile it, smile at it will do wonders. And that's how you know that you are on the right track to getting better. I have a saying. I think I have it on Instagram that says, on my like, bio or whatever. You have to cry on the sadness out of your body to be able to fill it with happiness. Hmm. At first, I just wanted to write it. And this is prior to me starting the podcast that I have now. But I realized that I kept crying and no matter how much I cried or when I gave myself the opportunity to cry, I don't cry very often. I felt things that I wasn't okay with feeling. And I think that's what stopped me from being able to cry everything out. And now I'm just like, you know what? If I cry, I cry. And if people see me cool, if they don't, then okay. At the end of the day, they're not going to fix me. It's not their job. If they, if I can't love myself for me, I can't expect someone else to love me for me. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I, I think that's where the, the gray area comes in as well. Because when you deal with it and you go through it and when you mentally try to cry everything out of your system, you forget that it's okay to love yourself in that process. Mm -hmm. Though, yes, we, we say duct tape works wonders. It can't always be the answer to fixing everything that's broken in your life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, I mean, uh, being able to get your emotional duct tape and at least put yourself back together to the point where you can start the healing process will work for you as well. It's the same same way as how like a cast works. Like if you break if you break, break your leg, break your leg, you just kind of set it back set it back into place it's still broken but it'll heal it takes time but it'll heal it'll take time and effort and as long as you listen to what your dogs are telling you you might not end up with a crooked leg probably <laughs> we say <laughs> and so being able to find whatever can hold you together and i would put this down as a warning don't look at other people to be your emotional duct tape they can only be there for so much. And being able or in kind of looking towards these specific people to hold you together every time you start falling apart. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to anyone. And because what if that person leaves? What if that person, you really need that person in that moment in time, but they can't. They got their own life obligations that they need to do. You're not going to be going anywhere. You need to find something that you yourself can provide whenever you need it. Granted, sometimes those solutions aren't an immediate situational thing. They take time. Yep. Well, and being able to have something if like a social situation is happening and you can't use that, that mechanism, right then and there, being able to hold it in or a short-term uh, release for that, like uh, fidget toys for um, people with uh, schizophrenia. 
I know a couple people who use uh, fidget toys, those stuff that clicks. That's how you know. So like clicks. a pen. Yeah. Like a or like those uh, little cubes. The uh, Rubik's cubes? No, like you can buy like little cubes that have like a clicky stuff on it and I stuff that like you that. can fidget around with. Being able to just like use something like that. To distract like, yourself from what's going on in your mind. I'm pointing at my brain like they can see me. But what's going on in your mind is different. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to just keep your mind busy on something else until you can fully get it out of your system, I guess, to, is a way to put it. I know that at some point I realized that we also use people as emotional anchors mm -hmm. to hold us in place. And... That's not okay. Mm -hmm. And being able to use people as emotional anchors is a double-edged sword. Because it's easy as they can keep you afloat as easily as they can drown you. Because mm -hmm. buildings don't rely on one singular support beam. They have to have multiple support beams. And when one fails, you still have others to hold, to hold you up. Same thing as on ships, emotional or physical anchors don't always, you can't always use them. So being able to somehow keep yourself afloat or in one spot for a minute with using other means is, will help, will help people out in the long run. I don't know. I feel like listening to your perspective is different for me because like I said, I've always had questions and the people always have answers. And I feel like for me, it's like thinking of ways to ask you things without making it sound intrusive is hard. And go ahead and ask him. I'm an open book. No, I know. I mean, like in a saying, you know, some friends says like, for instance, where you brought up the fidget toys and that clicking noise. And I was like, cool. And that's like, um, when I was in therapy, they told me to put a, a scrunchie on my on wrist or rubber band, and every time I would feel like it was getting too bad, or I couldn't be in that specific, like you said, social situation, instead of looking around and trying to talk to someone, and being, and using the defense mechanism of being a very bubbly person, a very friendly, to snap the rubber band in place. It hurts, don't get me wrong, shit, it hurt, but it helped distract me from whatever was going on inside my head. I don't use it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um... Not not as much. I, I don't think I have. I haven't, I haven't had to be able to. Haven't needed to use it. Bleh. Um. Or what? Not going on three, four years now. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I almost put one on, like at the ending of last year. Mm -hmm. Which is completely understandable. If that's what helps, like shock your system back into being able to come down and um, maintain control over yourself. That's how you want to do it. Go ahead. That's how. Uh, Different mechanisms will work for different people. It's better than putting cats all over my screen. Exactly. <laughs> or like stickers. My, my therapist would be like, find a picture, that's like a funny picture, whether that be a monkey with a tutu or a cat or a kitten. or Find something that's funny that you find funny and keep it around you. And when you can't you know, use your rubber band per se because people will find it weird, just look at that picture. And I'm like, what for? And she goes, like, because it's going to release dopamine, I think it's called. <laughs> the happy feeling in your brain. Yeah, that's and you'll forget. And I was like, I didn't think it would work at first. And then I actually kept one of those like funny pictures in my vendor for school. And when I would feel like I was overwhelmed, I guess, I would look at it and just start laughing. Don't get me wrong, people looked at me like I was the Joker and Batman, but that's okay. Yeah. I don't have to sit down and explain to anyone, obviously. I feel like there's different ways to cope with things. And I feel like where you, where you said that using one person as your emotional sponge isn't fair. Mm 
and I feel like at some point um, we forget that. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, in terms of using people as your emotional sponge, they can only absorb so much to the point where they get fully saturated. And I feel like it's normal coming when I, like, you haven't ever seen that SpongeBob meme where, like, I think either SpongeBob slaps Patrick or Patrick slaps him because they were talking about something, and that's what I mean by emotional sponge. I guess at some point, your emotional sponge will be like, all right, cool. <laughs> hey. yeah. And you're going to be like, what the fuck did I do? Excuse the French. And you're like, okay, that's me telling you that's it. Like, I need a break. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you don't ever want to get a person to that point. Mm-hmm. And at least if you do have someone who's willing to be there for you and you can talk to them about what's going on in your mentality, at least giving them their space to be able to take a break, to just be able to back up for a minute and be able to go and get some of that uh, negative energy off them by like going and hanging out with other friends or going and do whatever they want to do for a little Respect bit. their time. Mm-hmm. You have to respect people's time if you want them to respect yours. Mm-hmm. Wow, it sounded like a first summer movie. Um, and I feel like that's where that comes in handy. You respect your friend's time. And I feel like you need to also remember how to be yourself by yourself. Mm-hmm. I remember earlier this week, I told you that it felt weird because I went walking around in a park and I felt weird. Because I, was, I had never done that. When I moved here, I got used to being by myself. And then we're not going to mention these people by name. But then I had someone constantly around me and I got used to having them constantly around me and then they left, like you said, like someone left. And I'm now getting really used to doing things on my own and trying to, but it felt weird. So like when I when I called you to tell you, I felt weird about it. I was more calling you to tell you that I was feeling weird about that specific situation about walking on my own. But then when I got off the phone with you, I was happy. Like, it took me, like, 10 minutes before I called my girl best friend because I realized if I don't call her now, I'm not going to talk to her at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, let me talk to her because I haven't talked to her in a couple of days. Like, you know, we start working nights and our schedules is different from the world. Mm-hmm. Like, we go to bed when everybody's awake. Yeah. And I realized something that uh, you pointed out earlier. I'm like, I wasn't used to being on. Yes, I'm okay with being alone. Don't get me wrong. I'm okay with being alone. I'm perfectly fine with being alone. It just, doing things on my own felt weird. And when I went to the park and I went and ran some errands by myself, I was like, someone's going to populate this thing, I promise you. And it took me a little while to get in that mental space. You know what? I'm okay. Yeah. I'm happy here. And I want to do that again. And I don't know when, because we are scheduled. a little hard to do it. But I would love to do that again. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it was good for me, in a sense. And I took into consideration what you said. Give your people in your life space. Mm-hmm. Because you also need space, though. It's not just them that you're giving space. You're also giving space excuse me, to, to yourself to deal with whatever you're dealing with mentally. Mm-hmm. For me, I guess in that moment was just being by myself and being okay of being by myself with not like 30,000 people around me. So yes, I was in a park so there was people around me, but I mean like people that I know mm-hmm. that I talk to. Yeah. Like at least we learned in school, at least at my school, is to always act like the principal is, wa- is watching you. But it's kind of a term that isn't you know fair for everyone because your true self comes out when no one is watching that's how you know who you really are if you're in your room by yourself behind closed doors and there's no one around who are you really do you just mope around not do anything or do you constantly keep yourself busy who are you when you're by yourself
are you asking me or is this like a theater yeah, rhetorical rhetorical okay i was like mm. i do watch i do mope i do like watch tv and distract myself when i'm by myself like if i'm not answering my phone my lobby work away so we're just like you calling me for whatever it's not because i don't want to talk to you don't get me wrong it's just I like being alone in my room and in my own space. So yes, you know, we both, we both like have a toddler. So I'm not really by myself, but my, 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 my kid is like at that age where he goes around watch his tablet or the TV room or watch whatever he wants. I watch whatever I want on my iPad or on my phone, depending on what electronic is fully charged. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've learned to be okay in my own space. Yeah. A couple of years ago, if you would have met me, I guess like maybe what, three years ago prior to moving here? Yeah. You wouldn't have met the person you know today. Yeah. And that's funny to say. Because back then I wasn't used to being alone. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I was in my family home. I was around family. My friends were constantly there. And I feel like moving to Utah did not just help with being okay with being alone, but it also helped with me understanding that life isn't easy. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to come with instructions and be easy. And I feel like that's where we forget. And I feel like for me, coming as a person that I've never talked to someone that tat- well, that doesn't have a trauma per se, Though, yes, I know you might have some, but it's not as severe as maybe what everybody else thinks or what everybody else has gone through or what I've gone through. It feels weird because I'm, like, used to stories. And with you, it's different because I'm not asking you about a story. We're sharing ideas back and forth. Mm -hmm. And being able to be comfortable with yourself in your own space is a sign that you're doing well in your mentality because if you constantly have to be around someone or people in general to be able to be okay you're wearing a mask (laughs) you you force yourself into believing that you are okay but you when those doors are closed and you're by yourself you're not you're not that's when all those come back and they're going to keep on coming back until you're able to be okay by yourself. I'm not going to My friend Jenny told me, you're a social butterfly. And I'm like, should I tell her now? Or should I tell her like 10 episodes or now? Because she was like one of my first interviews. I laughed about it when she said that. Because mm-hmm. yes, I am a social butterfly when I need to be. But I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. There's times where I hate people. Like I love them. But I love them like 20,000 miles away from me. Mm-hmm. there's moments where I generally just want to be by myself and I feel like a lot of people think oh she's avoiding me no boy it's not about you mm-hmm. I just don't want you in my space at this current moment in time yeah like I would describe myself as an anti-social extrovert huh which means I won't I won't go off and talk to people if I don't have to or if I don't want to, but if some anyone and everyone can come up and talk to me, and I will hold a conversation until the sun dies out, you can't or do until that. I get tired of it. But <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you do that though. I've actually physically because I've been around. We work together. I've been I've been around where I've seen you. Like I'm like over there or like far away, and I've noticed. Well, he's gonna talk this conversation. He's gonna end it in three, two, one. All right, cool. See you later. Bye. And I'm like, see, I'm not that nice. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's cool. It's alright. <laughs> like today was like um, it was still before midnight. I feel like today was one of those days where I, when I came into work, I wasn't like I was happy, and then everybody say to pick 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 Lulia as their target to bully, I guess per se, or just make fun of. And I was like, we're not we're not doing this today because I will full will get arrested by because I punched one of y'all. Hey, I'm just saying, you're the biggest complainant in the room. Because <laughs> it was true, though. But 
was it? Yes, it was. <laughs> you wouldn't walk in here when I did. You also sprayed two puffs of that concentration spray. I don't know what you'd be needing that for, but obviously a puff. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, we're going to do that again. All right, I see. <laughs> Um, no, but I was like, I was like, I, I'm gonna walk out of this room. There's too much testosterone. I'm gonna punch one of these good guys and I'm gonna end up arrested and written up and I don't want to do that today. So I'm gonna go to my car, clear my head for a little bit and then come back outside. That's why it took me so long to leave my car. See, and that's one of those, um, mechanisms that you learn how to do. If you can separate from that area, go ahead. Cause that's about a slap out for you for no reason. I was like, no, violence is not a choice today, and I haven't, I haven't yet chosen physical violence. I'm not about to start today. Mm-hmm. That's why I walked away, and I was like, I'm going to leave the crowd playing 20 y'all in the back of my head. But then I walked out, I was like, all, all four of you, since y'all want to act like such bullies currently. And I feel like, I laughed about it when I got to my car. I was like, and then I was like, what the fuck was I mad again? Yeah, exactly. But. Yes, you and your, you, you did two posts of concert. It, it, it's for my car. When you have kids, you know, you don't have any, so you wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. They make your car smell like a toddler. Happened in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and defend myself. The more I defend myself, I, I see that hole getting bigger, and there's no point if you're not going to believe me. The more you keep going, the more the deeper your, your coffin is being lowered into. Anyway. Right. <laughs> I like honestly, it just it's different. And I, I today was one of those days where I was like, I'm gonna choose physical violence. I'm gonna walk out the room, mm-hmm. and you know, I separated myself from a situation. Though I didn't want to because I'm okay with the banter. I'm okay with being the target ninety percent of the time, unless like it's all of y'all at once. And I'm like, no. <laughs> that was only two of us at that. Point. No, that was more. It was you and the oh, I might mention the minor, but uh, blonde. Blonder, and then special. And you know, before he has a, I'm pretty sure between all three of those guys from this morning, they have that. They only have like two working brain cells combined. <laughs> and it's like that, like that TikTok where like it's a little guy with a Mexican hat, and they would make a meme out of it. Oh, and my sergeant is talking to me, and the two little brain cells are like. <laughs> I feel like that's what we see when we see them. No, guys, we're not being. We're not ranking on them. We're just being honest. Because they wanted to play, they wanted to play evil when it came to me. So I'm like, all right, cool, let's do that. <laughs> and you volunteered yourself too while you were at Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> I volunteered myself. <laughs> but like, that kind of, what you did is a good mechanism. To... You brought it up because you were like, you don't always, I was like, I'm so used to like either bouncing stuff off of you or being by yourself. That when, it was too much testosterone in there. I was like, I'm making peace back on this. I felt bad because a new kid was sitting, standing outside watching all of y'all rank on me. And he's like, Shh. When I walked away, he, I, I felt that kid's energy like, ooh, they're dead. <laughs> and then I walked away because I separated myself from that situation. I was like, I'm not doing this today. We're not. Because I don't mind it every day of the year, but today is not one of those days okay. Like I wasn't, I guess I was just because I had a massive migraine, um, which worries me because it was twice in a week. Yeah. But that's a conversation for another day. And see, what you did was a good mechanism. Being able to... If you're able to, go and separate yourself from the situation, the social situation that's, you know, either aggravating you or triggering whatever to come out. You know, you yeah. know my, my, my violin streak was trying to come out. You always, you thought last time I had um, the, the paramedics here that I had punched somebody. Well, I mean, your, your wrist was being wrapped up and then cops came in soon after. I was completely convinced I was going to have to go and visit you in jail. I would have told you, I would have texted you, but Donovan, I didn't think today. 
And then you being you, what did you do? You see, I punched somebody. No. About time. <laughs> we can't really, we, we sit where I work. We can't really, well, but we can. That's not the point. You can, but you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's another great area. It's great. You close your eye enough, that, that line will disappear off the ground. If you really squint your eyes. <laughs> that line's going to be gone. <laughs> and I feel like. I, I, when I remember that, I'm like, you was a hub. You th- really thought that I was going to punch That man wouldn't be alive. The paradise wouldn't be wrapping me. They would be taking that person to the ER. Yeah, and then you would be going into the chair and going into jail. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like for you, I think we always have this joke where I'm like, can I kill a pro-chum? Can I kill a kid? They're like, well, no, not physically kill him, just like mentally. He's like, no, because I won't be bailing your ass out of jail. <laughs> yeah. You live with the consequences that you made. You made the decision to punch the man, so now you get to live with it. Now I get to make fun of you for it. So. Oh no, this man is really good at making fun of me. He, there's a lot of things he won't let me live down. Some of them we won't share. Some of them we can. Um, like the the instance where I was getting my my wrist dropped because. I had fallen over front loader in this family for my dog punch somebody. I promise you guys, I choose mental violence every day, not physical violence. If someone gets me to choose physical violence, you better bring that person to a live breathing and well. Yeah, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't even think about that. I'd be like, huh, damn, that sucks. <laughs> but yeah, like what you did was when you, when we were still making fun of you for both of those situations, you were able to calmly handle it. Which, yeah. Anyway. Nah, nah, nah. Finish it. Nah, so anyway, what you did was a good coping mechanism. Being Sorry. able to separate yourself. Ah, uh-huh, you can't do that. You can't avoid the senses. Come on. Being able out. to separate yourself from the situation at hand. And it's not a situation. It's more like people. People. So sometimes you are not able to get away from those. From that. The funny thing is about the ambulance incident or when I was going to be a wrist strap incident, um, they were like, you're lucky we didn't do a helicopter and other like three other vehicles, lights and sirens all the way. I looked at these men like, you're about to get in that truck. You're about to go to my gate. I'm never going to see you again. You would, you would do that to me. I will never talk to y'all because I can, you know, we see them once in a while. And then the cop came and he said, go on. I'm like, no, I don't trust them. I have to leave them alone. You weren't allowed to do that when this conversation happens. I'm like, I don't trust them. I don't trust them to leave them alone. <laughs> no, so this place on fire and I'll still have to come back. Fair. And but, then I talk about the shark can't beat them. Is it just let me let me make a U turn? Let me start driving outside. I'll see it. If I'm not a witness, I don't care. <laughs> nah, they should have brought in that helicopter. That would have been hilarious. And bro, we could have rode on a helicopter. <laughs> I am fine. It was a small spring. You could have rode in a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, expensive that is, though. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that. You have to pay the medical bill. Exactly. So <laughs> it would have been cool to ride in a helicopter. <laughs> And then just go miss, missing off the face of the earth until, like, you know, that debt gets, you know, scooched over to somewhere else. So. <laughs> no, I feel like. It's funny because it's like for us, it's like people are when I think when they look at me and they're like, how the fuck are they friends? I, I don't, I'm, I don't even have an answer for that one. I really don't. Honestly, me neither. Just kind of happened and it's stuck. And it's, again, it's a good kind of stock, I hope. Not a bad one. Probably. I'm still trying to figure that out. Oh, wow. I'm just being real. <laughs> okay, he's one of those friends that needs to contemplate friendship before he can actually see my friend. I'm going to keep it 98 and then round up to 100. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, one more question I have for you. 
have those friends tried to come back into your in your life, the ones that you've cut off? Not all of them. Some of them, yes. And I had to set a boundary with those people. I still welcome welcome them back. It's not their fault that it happened like that. Granted, the way that they responded to me was kind of their fault, but I forgive but never forget. So I had to, when I did bring them back into my life, I had to set a boundary to the point where I don't talk to you every day. I barely talk to those people at all these days because they respect the boundary, but they don't talk to me. So it is what it is. Go back to that phrase that you said, you forgive, but you don't forget. Because if you forget, you give them the power to do it all over again. And sometimes forgiveness is not for the other person. It's more for your peace of mind and your happiness and everything else in this world. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, a lot of stuff isn't worth dwelling on. And in that, that moment in time with those specific people, I just decided it's not worth me constantly dwelling over it and holding it against them. I'm proud of you. It takes a lot. Oh yeah, it. But it just comes with time and being able to just be like, eh, this isn't worth it. Why is it worth my mental strain and my anger to be constantly mad at this person when I don't have to be? Oh my god, I think so. For me, I feel like I'm no longer angry with the specific person that caused me the pain. It's not anger that I feel. I feel like it's hurt because I feel like that specific person. If you've heard the beginning of my podcast, you know who I'm talking about. I'm just not going to mention that person currently. Uh, Sunday. I had everything. Or at least the illusion of everything to be happy. And they still decided to break up with me. Because whatever they, whatever they were going through. Because this was a person I think had demons and they still do now. And I feel like they don't like dealing with them. So I feel like they just throw their problems with other people. It's not anger that I feel at this point. No, yes, I'm not going to sit here and lie. My mom still thinks I'm angry. It's not anger. It's more pain. It's more hurt. I feel like I've gotten to a point in my life where I forgave them, but I will never forget what happened. Though, yes, there's a lot of things that come with my trauma that I don't quite remember because I feel like I purposely blocked that off from my memory for many, many reasons. I'm going to keep it that way. I'm okay with the fact that I am no longer angry and I have forgiven the people that have caused me the amount of pain that they did. I know to a lot of people it doesn't look like it because there's times where like, I talk to my mom and friend like you and like, people that don't understand Spanish and like people have asked me, why do you sound so mad? I'm like, I'm not. It's it's hard to explain my relationship with another. Mm-hmm. And at that moment in time, I feel like I set a boundary. And in my family, you set a boundary. It's, it's rare. It's a problem. Yeah. Which being able to set boundaries is really good because it kind of draws a line in the sand with that person and being able to tell them, if you cross this line, you're not coming back. So that's what I had to tell a lot of people to do is if you cross this line, there's no more coming back. There's no more, there's no more me in your life. So and not and even from that person's point of view it takes a lot to be able to respect those boundaries because when you leave someone's life and then ask for forgiveness to come back and then they set those boundaries 
it's hard on them also because they're so used to being able to go over that line and then being able to not anymore basically on a dime is it's hard for them also it's like a tom and jerry effect you mm-hmm. know I remember it was Tom the cat. That was Tom or Jerry? No, the cat was Tom. So Tom was always chasing Jerry. Mm-hmm. The boundary that you're setting is Jerry. Tom is that specific person, people, or group of people in your life that you told them, hey, that's the line. You cross it, we're going to have a problem. Yeah. So to avoid them crossing it, you keep making it a longer, further distance, and they keep chasing it. It's like, are you really understanding? Are you really respecting what I'm telling you? Are you just... Telling me what I want to hear so you can stay in my life. Which one is it? Mm-hmm. And um, if you keep extending that line, they're going to keep testing their limits to see what they can constantly try to get away with. So being able to stop that line wherever you, wherever is comfortable for you and wherever it is to the point where you won't get hurt as much and being able to look at them in the eyes and be like, if you do this, We're done. we are done. Like, no more. Uh-uh. I'm not going to tell you. Mom, lie to you. Boundaries for me were hard for a while. They, I didn't know how to set them. And I didn't know how to keep them in place. And I, I feel like when I moved three years ago going on now, I realized if I don't set these boundaries, everybody that's in my life is going to walk over that line and just dust it off and be like, oh, yeah, that's not there no more. No. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've forgotten that at some point as well. And... I set boundaries on. If you don't like it, all right, let me open the door. Just don't let it hit you or Mother Nature's going to split you in half. Mm-hmm. And though, yes, that sounds like an asshole move, and that's what you want to call me, then I'm going to allow you to call me. Whatever you think I'm a bitch because I'm protecting myself from any more pain, cool my hat off to you. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if I can respect the boundaries I set for myself as a person, the people that are in my life that I generally don't want in my life, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get it per se need to respect that boundary. And if they can't respect it, back with yours. See, if some, uh, see, I heard this song where a portion of it goes, and goes, I'm going to judge anyone who's trying to get into my circle without love. Because so, if, you're, if you're trying to come into my life without love for me, not necessarily loving me per se, but I'm putting down that respect and that putting down that sort of friendship love to the point where you guys will always be there for each other is that's a point where it's like, why are you here? What do you want from me? There's something that I have that you want and you want to rob me of that. And you can't let them. Mm -hmm. And you need to set those boundaries with any new person or even existing people to be able to say, why are you really here? What do you want from me? What? Why are they constantly coming back for this one specific thing about me? And it's not just to hang out with me, oh, because I'm cool or whatever. No, it's, it's, they want something from you. They want something that they can't have. So in turn, they're going to rob you of it. Per se, that's either innocence, pride, confidence, so on and so forth. Like, like my mom and they grab a two-by-four and beat it enough. Don't let Though she didn't actually hit anybody in any of her kids with a two by four. Let me make that clear. Now you just admitted to your mom that committing an uh, aggravated assault. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> hey, it's the same. My mom used to say, in Espanol, she goes, like, sí, yeah. I'm going to grab a two by four and you're going to find out. <laughs> like we say, fuck around and find out. My mom, had a, my, mom, my mom never did it, person. She never did. 
Casi no. Again, she never got down. But she always said it. Sigue. Y vas a aprender lo que significa pegarte con un 2 por 4. And I was like, huh? She never really used that with me, but she used that with my older siblings. And I feel like they weren't raised her as much. Mm-hmm. So she was like, come on, keep going, girl. Fuck out. I'm going to go to my phone. Just beat you senseless. She did not. I promise you. And now we're going to have a lot of more confessions in the family. All in all, I feel like this episode will help someone. I hope it does. Uh-huh. I hope that whoever listens to this is going to be able to set boundaries with people or be able to understand where they're at in their own mental space in whatever fashion it may be. And if you want any more advice, I'll ask him for it. I'll make sure I write it down this time and then I'll give it to you. Um, I might be making another episode this week. I don't know yet, uh, depending on how I feel. There is a story that I want to share. My friend Savannah shared her story. It might take me two parts because her story is pretty long. Um, she's a very sweet person. Um, she's more like Donovan and say because I actually had to pry this man to record this with me. Mm, yeah, we don't have to talk about all that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like I always say, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to look for help. Trust me, you'll find it. Whether that be the safe people in your life that you consider your safe haven, the people that you talk to, do remember, everybody has a limit. Respect it. It's not easy, but respect it. Understand that, yes, they are your safe people, but they also need time to heal and fix whatever is broken within them because of everything that you've shared. You have to love yourself enough to know that you are stronger than you look and feel. And though, yes, the world will continue to break you down to pieces and pieces that you might not want to be. You will find a way to emotionally duct tape yourself back together. Now, don't be using real duct tape. It's going to hurt when you yank it off. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, thank you for joining me today. Donna, thank you for being here today. Yeah. It was fun to have you. It was a different scenario. It was a different um, story time. I hope you guys enjoy it. I do have now an Instagram, and it's the same um handle as my podcast so trauma and healing go hand in hand i don't know if i can share my patreon link on here i'll try it again and i'll put it on there and there's also a link for you guys to send me voice messages so i can hear them and tell your story if that's the way you want to do it then i'm okay with it if you want to sit with me and talk to me you don't have to be in the same room like me and donovan currently are but if you want to share stories i'm more than happy to remember my podcast is a safe space i don't judge you for what you tell me i don't judge you for what you share with me because I'm not God and I'm not, I I wasn't born on this planet to judge you for whatever happened to you. I'm proud that you are okay. And I'm proud that you're still in one piece. Hope to see you guys at the end of the week or sometime next week. If I have the time, my work's under a lot a little crazy. Um, And again, thank you for being here. Bye guys.